Father in heaven, we thank you for this time that you've given to us again to come and study your word. And Lord, we just ask for your Holy Spirit to please be present with us now, to guide us and to teach us and help us, Lord, to see wonderful truths out of your word this evening. Bless our time together, O Lord. Speak to each of our hearts is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening, we are looking at our care group study on the rebellion of Korah, continuing in our series in the wilderness wanderings. And the children of Israel, they've come to the borders of Canaan. This is what we studied last time. They sent 12 spies out to spy out the land, right? And what happened? 10 came back with an evil report. Two came back full of faith, believing that God would fight for them and be with them. And what happened? The children of Israel, they listened to that evil report of the 10 spies. And so the Lord gave them their desire and pronounced judgment on them, saying, all those that were 20 years old and upward would perish in the wilderness just as they had requested. They would just wander around the wilderness for 40 years until that whole rebellious generation passed away. And no sooner had they turned around to go into the wilderness that there arose a new trouble. Let's look at our first Bible text, Numbers 16, verses 1 and 2. Now Korah, the son of Ezar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and On, the son of Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with certain of the children of Israel, 250 princes of the assembly, famous in the congregation, men of renown. Who was this? Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And they would confront Moses along with 250 other princes. Now Korah, he was of the tribe of Levi, which was the tribe that had been chosen to perform the sanctuary services. Dathan and Abiram brothers, they were from the tribe of Reuben, which was the oldest brother of the 12 sons of Jacob. But not only that, they came with how many princes? 250 princes, men that were famous or men that were well-respected, seemingly had good character, good judgment, and some even having authority. And you know, this was a large group. But what was the accusation that they came against Moses, that they raised up against him? Let's keep reading. Numbers chapter 16 and verse 3. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron and said to them, Ye take too much upon you, seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Wherefore then lift ye up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord. So what was this accusation that they were bringing against Moses? They were saying that Moses and Aaron, they were taking too much to themselves. They made it sound like they themselves had chosen each other and exalted themselves above everybody else. Moses, he had been the leader of the Israelites before they even left Egypt. His call, yes, it was a private one. His call from God in the desert amongst just sheep with a burning bush, right? However, 
Moses had fearlessly stood before Pharaoh and called plagues down upon this wicked king and nation. He was the one that held up the rod to open up the Red Sea for the children of Israel to pass through. He was the one that had thrown in some sort of leaf that had healed this bitter water. He was the one that had struck a rock and water had come gushing out. He was the one that had communed with God for 40 days, two times in the presence of everybody. So it was clear that Moses, he had not exalted himself and that God was the one that had put him in this position. However, this accusation was not simply against Moses. It was also against who? Aaron, his older brother. And it might be that they were attacking Aaron, saying that Moses had chosen his brother, that it was a family affair. Remember, Korah was from which tribe? He was from the tribe of Levi, from the tribe that Moses and Aaron were from as well. So maybe, just maybe, they were jealous of Aaron's position as priest. And Dathan and Byram, they were from which tribe? They were from the tribe of Reuben, which, you know, that was the oldest son in the family of Jacob, who eventually was renamed to Israel. So they must have felt as being the oldest son, the eldest tribe, that they had the right to leadership to some extent, you see? Why would they be complaining about leadership at this time, though? Remember, what had just happened? What had we just studied? The children of Israel were not allowed into Canaan because of listening to that evil report of the ten spies, right? But the next day, they had tried to conquer Canaan by themselves, and Moses and Aaron didn't go with them, and even the ark of God did not go with them as well. And what happened? They suffered a terrible defeat. So maybe they were upset at Moses for for not being there with them. And so surely the judgment must have come from Moses and not from God. And so on hearing this accusation, what does Moses do? Let's keep reading. Numbers chapter 16, verses 4 to 7. And when Moses heard it, he fell upon his face. And he spake unto Korah and to all his company, saying, Even tomorrow the Lord will show who are his, and who is holy, and who will cause him to come near unto him. Even him whom he hath chosen will he cause to come near unto him. This do, take you senses, Korah, and all his company, and put fire therein, and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord doth choose, he shall be holy. Ye take too much upon you, ye sons of Levi. So the principal one that was highlighted was Korah, and he was the leader of this rebellion. But Moses gave clear instruction. God is going to show who is his. Who is he that he has chosen? Take senses and come before the Lord. That was the instruction that was given by Moses. But let's keep reading. Numbers chapter 16, verses 8 to 11. And Moses said unto Korah, Here I pray you, ye sons of Levi. Seemeth it but a small thing unto you that the God of Israel hath separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to minister unto them? And he hath brought thee near to him, 
and all thy brethren, the sons of Levi, with thee, and seek ye the priesthood also? For which cause both thou and all thy company are gathered together against the Lord? And what is it that what is Aaron that ye murmur against him? So look, yes, it was pretty clear. They were jealous of Aaron. They wanted to be priest as well. Even though, you see, the, the tribe of Levi was chosen to serve in the sanctuary, it was only Aaron and his sons who could actually be priests and perform all the sacrifices. They were the only ones that were allowed into the sanctuary and perform all those services. The other Levites, they were divided into three other groups, and they would help with different parts of the sanctuary as well to maintain it. Some would take care of the furniture, the fence, and all the materials. Others would carry all the parts of the sanctuary when they moved, but they were never involved with the service of the sanctuary. They were attending to the sanctuary, and it was a full-time job as well. They were not allowed to take care of the sheep or grow crops or different things. And so that was a full-time service to the Lord and His sanctuary as well, but it was not the priesthood, which was exactly what Aaron and his sons were taking care of. So Korah, he was jealous. Jealous for this religious position. Jealous that Aaron had been chosen and not him or his family, you see. But it wasn't only Korah in this rebellion, you see. Dathan and Abiram was there also. And what problem did they have with Moses and Aaron? Let's keep reading. Numbers chapter 16, verses 12 to 14. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, which said, We will not come up. Is it a small thing which thou hast brought us up out of the land that floweth with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, except thou makest altogether thyself a prince over us? Moreover, thou hast not brought us into a land that floweth with milk and honey, or given us inheritance of fields and vineyards. Wilt thou put out the eyes of these men? We will not come up. Do you see that? They accused Moses of not letting them have the land of Canaan. When it was the Israelites themselves that were ready to make a leader, to lead them back to Egypt, do you remember that? They could not believe that God would fight for them. And so they were, they were going back and they were leaving. And when God gave this judgment upon them, then they turned and changed and said, oh, okay. The next day they came back to Moses and said, we're ready to fight. But it was too late. God had changed his mind saying, okay, you wanted to die in the wilderness. I will let you die in the wilderness. So they went forth and fought and they lost. And now they are charging all their decisions to Moses. They're blaming Moses for what they had done, for the decisions that they had made. They make it sound now as if it's Moses' fault that they were not allowed into the land of Canaan. But they didn't stop there. They accused Moses saying that Moses wanted to kill them in the wilderness. Can you believe that? when it was a God's judgment, when it was a Lord that had said, okay, you prayed for this, I will give you what you asked for. You wanted to die in the wilderness, I will let you die in the wilderness. But let's keep reading. How does Moses react? Numbers 16, verses 15 to 17. And Moses was very wroth, 
and said unto the Lord, Respect not thou their offering. I have not taken one ass from them, neither have I hurt one of them. And Moses said unto Korah, Be thou and all thy company before the Lord, thou and they and Aaron tomorrow, and take every man his censer, and put incense in them. And bring ye before the Lord every man his censer, two hundred and fifty censers, thou also and Aaron, each of you his censer. Moses, he justifies himself before God, but then asks them all to come and appear before God the next day. And when the next day comes, what does God want to do? Numbers chapter 16, verses 20 to 22. And the Lord spake unto Moses and to Aaron, saying, Separate yourselves from among this congregation, that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell upon their faces and said, O God, the God of of the spirits of all flesh, shall one man sin, and wilt thou be wroth with all the congregation? God, he wants to destroy all of them. But Moses intercedes for them. Even though the accusation is against him, he still has such great love for all these rebellious people. God's ready to destroy them. If I was Moses, I would stand back and say, God, be my guest. But Moses is interceding for them. He has this love, this agape love for these children of Israel that are so easy to rebel against God. But God is about to bring judgment on these accusers. He first, he asks everyone to separate themselves from Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And then, this is what Moses says. This is God's judgment, but he's speaking through Moses. Numbers 16, 28 to 30. And Moses said, Hereby ye shall know that the Lord hath sent me to do all these works. For I have not done them of mine own mind. If these men die the common death of all men, or if they be visited after the visitation of all men, then the Lord hath not sent me. But if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mind and mouth, pardon me, and swallow them up with all that appertaineth unto them, and they go down quick into the pit, then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. So God isn't just going to punish them, but he's going to vindicate the fact that he was the one that chose Moses and not anyone else. But what is a sign that that he has chosen Moses? What is a sign that Moses says? If Korah, Dathan, and Abiram all die a common death, then God has not sent them. Sent him, pardon me. So if, if he dies a natural death, if he dies something that everyone else has died, then God is not the one that has sent Moses. But if the earth opens its mouth and swallows them, then they are to understand that they had provoked the Lord and spoken against him and not against Moses, you see. And immediately, what happens next? Numbers 16, 31 to 35. And it came to pass, as he made an end of speaking all these words, that the ground clave asunder that was under them, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up, and their houses, and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods, they and all that appertained to them, went down alive into the pit, and the earth closed upon them, and they perished from among the congregation. 
And all Israel that were round about them fled at the cry of them, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up also. And there came out a fire from the Lord and consumed the 250 men that offered incense. As soon as Moses had finished speaking, the earth opened itself up and swallowed all these men. God's name and his appointment of Moses had been vindicated. These three men and their families had been punished and slain, and even fire would go out from God and consume the 250 princes that were in rebellion with Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Immediately, God's judgment fell upon these men. You know, friends, we need to be so careful not to speak against those whom God has appointed and anointed to do a certain work. The children of Israel, they were so slow to learn. They kept murmuring against Moses, not realizing that they were fighting against God and not against the human elements. God, many times over, had, had given clear evidence of his choosing with, when even Aaron and Miriam stood up to speak against Moses, right? And even against his wife. Miriam was struck with leprosy. This was not a private affair done off in a little corner. No, the whole nation understood what had happened because they were waiting for seven days for Miriam to come back into the camp for her to be cleansed, right? It had gotten so bad that the people are now standing up to fight openly against Moses and rebel against him. And so God has had to resort to extreme measures in his punishment to vindicate his choice of leadership. However, the evil work had been done. The evil thoughts had been sown in the hearts of the people already. Even after Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were swallowed by the earth, something that had never been done before. Look at how the children of Israel react. Numbers 16, verses 41 to 43. But on the morrow, the next day, all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, Ye have killed the people of the Lord. Can you believe that? And it came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron that they looked toward the tabernacle of the congregation and behold, the cloud covered it and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. The people would arise the next day, even though they had plenty of time to think about the events of the previous day. They would come back the next day and they still were against Moses and Aaron. They said, you were the one that killed these holy men. You were the one that, that caused the earth to be swallowed. Wow, as if Moses had such great and amazing power. They were so blind. They were so blind. They regarded Dathan, Korah and Abiram and the 250 princes as more righteous than Moses or Aaron. It was by a direct miracle, a direct miracle, that the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the whole group of people and fire came out and consumed the rest of them. How could Moses do such a thing? It was impossible that it was by any human effort. It had to be really divine intervention. And yet the people are so blind that they're still blaming Moses. The rebellion and discontent had taken deep hold upon the people to such an extent that even when the leaders of the rebellion had been removed, 
the rebellion still remained in the hearts of these people. Numbers 16, 44 and 45. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from them among this congregation, that it may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces. You know, it's almost as if God said, See, I told you. You should have let me destroy them. These people, the leaders were destroyed already, but all the rest of them, they're still thinking like that, Moses. Just stand aside and let me consume them. God is just ready to destroy this whole nation. You know, friends, we can wear out God's patience and we ought to be careful because look at what happens next. Before Moses can truly intercede, look at what happens. Numbers 16, 46 to 50. And Moses said to Aaron, take a censer, put fire therein from off the altar, put incense and go quickly unto the congregation and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from the Lord. The plague is begun. And Aaron took as, uh, took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. And he stood between the dead and the living. And the plague was stayed. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. And Aaron returned unto Moses unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and the plague was stayed. 14,700 people would perish that day. It would have been more had it not been the quick thinking and the quick acting of Moses and Aaron, the people that were mur- they were murmuring against and fighting against. Yet Moses and Aaron quickly come out and intervene and stop the plague that is being poured out upon the people from God. But you know, even though the plague had been stayed, God knew that there were still feelings and thoughts that were brooding below the surface that God had to deal with. The choosing of Moses, but especially also the choosing of Aaron. Moses had not chosen Aaron because that was his brother. No, God has the one, was the one that had chosen Aaron. So God had already dealt with the authority of Moses because the earth opened up and swallowed all these people and then fire went out and, and destroyed the rest of them, right? But now God would have to show everybody, make it clear that he was also the one that chose Aaron and not Moses. It wasn't a family affair. It wasn't just because of brother to brother. No, it was God. Let's keep reading. Number 17, 1 to 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take of every one of them a rod according to the house of their fathers, of all their princes according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods, and write thou every man's name upon his rod. And thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi, for one rod shall be the head of the house of their fathers, and thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I will meet with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod whom I shall choose shall blossom. And I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. And so every tribe would bring a rod. And Aaron, he would also bring a rod as well and write his name upon it for the representing Levi. And so everyone would bring their rod and lay it up in the sanctuary. And so the one that God would choose would be the one that would 
give forth, forth buds and fruits. And so it wasn't just, I guess, Aaron only, but even the choosing of the tribe of Levi. You see, God didn't have to deal with, the, deal with Korah anymore. It was clear that it was within the Levites, but Aaron was the representative. All the rods placed in the sanctuary. No human intervention. And only a miracle for this rod to come back to life to give forth leaves and buds and even fruit. Let's keep reading. Number 17, 6 through 9. And Moses spake unto the children of Israel, and every one of their princes gave him a rod apiece. For each prince one, according to their father's houses, even twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. And it came to pass that on the morrow, Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. And Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord unto all the children of Israel. And they looked and took every man his rod. Aaron's rod would be the only rod that would bring forth buds and even give fruit as well. It was clear that God had chosen Moses. And now it was clear that God had chosen Aaron as well. God was not being partial to a certain family. There was no self-exaltation on the part of Moses. There was no internal family affair and choosing only his brother on the part of Aaron. It was by God's appointment and God's appointment alone that they had these positions. Friends, we need to be so careful whom we speak against. Even though the situation might seem like, oh, this family is taking control, we better make sure that we are not speaking against God. Numbers 17 verse 10. And the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony, to be kept for a token against the rebels, and thou shalt quite take away their murmurings from me, that they die not. From this point forward, the clearest evidence had been given from God. There was to be no more murmuring against the leadership of Moses and even the priesthood of Aaron. Not that there wasn't enough evidence already in the past, but now God had drawn a very clear line in the sand that there would be no more doubt about God's choosing. And you know, friends, we need to be so careful about speaking against leadership. Overwhelming evidence had been given to the children of Israel from God in his choice as to who would lead. When Korah spoke out against Moses, he did not realize that he was speaking against God and especially against the Holy Spirit. I I, I shouldn't excuse them so much because Moses had warned them repeatedly, remember, you're not murmuring against me. You are murmuring against God. And then the next day, you know, the people would speak unreasonably against Moses that they had killed the people of the Lord when it was clear evidence that they were in the wrong and they were in the rebellion. You know, friends, when we keep doing this over and over and over again, when we keep repeating the same accusation and accusing somebody over and over again, you know what's happening? Our hearts are hardening, especially when God gives 
overwhelming evidence that Moses is the one, that Aaron is the one. When when God keeps having to prove himself over and over again, what's happening is our hearts are actually getting calloused and hardened. He needs to take more drastic action to prove himself. He needs to have a clearer evidence over and over again. And what's happening is it takes more to move our hearts, you see. And in Hebrews, it actually talks about this situation. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 15. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. And that provocation was during the time when the Israelites were living, the time when they were wandering through the wilderness. Hebrews actually talks about it. You know, our hearts can get hardened and calloused over when we keep repeating the same sin. And in this case, it was this murmuring spirit that they kept having against Moses and Aaron. They got to the point where Satan blinded them so much that they began to call that which was holy, unholy, and that which was unholy, holy. They began to call good evil and evil good. And friends, when we do that, when we get to that point, what is actually taking place in our hearts? Matthew chapter 12 and verse 32. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Yes, friends, we can commit the unpardonable sin, not just through our actions, but even through our words. You see, friends, it was the agency of the Holy Spirit which God was working through in the life of Moses for the children of Israel. But they got to the point that they committed that unpardonable act. Their hearts were so hardened against the influence of divine grace to the point that they crossed the point of no return. That no matter what God would do, no matter how many miracles he would perform, it would never convince them that he was the one leading them and not Moses. Let us be careful that we don't go down the same path. Careful with our words careful to see clearly whom God has appointed to stand in leadership positions, careful with the people that God has put in our path to guide us and to help us. May God help us to see clearly, with a clean heart filled with the Holy Spirit, that we may discern His movements in each of our lives today. Because God might have sent a person to help you along this path of life, to lead you towards heaven, and we might bite that hand that's trying to help us. We need to be so careful. Because one day, God is going to withdraw that hand. One day, we might cross that point of no return, where we have spoken so much and we fought so much against God that God says, okay, I'm going to leave you to your rebellion. I'm going to leave you to your sin to the point that nothing else will convince you of my love for you. Nothing else will change you and turn you from your wicked path. May God help us that our hearts will always be soft to discern His leading and His guidance. Let's pray. 
Father in heaven, I want to thank you that you have given us your spirit. I want to thank you especially you've given us your word as a warning to us that we might not keep repeating the same sins over and over again that we might stop murmuring with our mouths against people and against situations and places that you lead us to. Lord, please help us and forgive us if we have been just like the Israelites. Help us not to cross that point of no return. Help us, Lord, to stop sinning with our mouths, that out of our mouths we might learn to give you praise and honor and glory. Out of our mouths that we might learn to see the positive and not the negative. Out of our mouths we might we might be able to reflect the faith that is within our hearts about the faith that we have in you, Lord. Please, Father, help us to be better witnesses for you. Guide us to that end. And if any of us are tempted to complain, help us, Lord, today to remember this story that truly we might be careful to give you all the glory. Help us, Father, to be just like you today. This is our earnest plea and prayer. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, thanks for joining us this evening. May God bless each and every one of you. May God be with you. And until we meet again, let us use our mouths to uplift others, to bless others, and not to tear each other down or to complain or murmur about certain situations. Let us trust God that faithful is He who brought us to this place, who also will bring us through it as well. May God bless each of you, and goodbye for now. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.